Tonight's lecture is presented in conjunction with our current exhibition, Subscription Campaigns, Contributions in Support of Community, which includes the Athenaeum's copies of Aaron Siniff's artist books, The Five-Year Plan, and Other Imaginings. The exhibition explores the well-established practice of individuals coming together to support a common cause or project and in the process creating a sense of community as individuals who participate in something larger than themselves. I invite you to visit the exhibition gallery after the lecture tonight. The five-year plan project is, in the words of its creator, quote, artwork as social architecture. 24 artists from eight different countries, including Yoko Ono and Francisco Clemente, each contributed a page in the book. The homespun, hand-woven kadi cloth on which the book is printed was woven at the Manav Seva Amati Kanjapur. The book was then printed and bound in Japur Rastan at, <laughs> Rude, you could help me later, Rudrakash Printers. I'm learning. Almost a mile of Kadi was needed, generating 2,400 days of work and employing 100 rural Indian families for a month. The project bridges cultures, uniting artists, scholars, craftspeople, and activists in a participatory and communal effort. It is art that truly does, quote, take a village, supporting those left behind by the global economy. The initiative is the brainchild of Aaron Sinift, who attended the University of Iowa and Boston University before moving to Manhattan. He currently works part-time at the Smithsonian's Hirshhorn Museum and Sculpture Garden in Washington, DC, and at the Katzen Center, Art Center at American University. His unique cloth books reside in our collection and are featured in the current exhibition. They were made possible with subscription funds to which the Athenaeum contributed. And now it's my great pleasure to welcome Aaron to the Boston Athenaeum. Thank you. Uh, thank you all very much. It's an honor and a privilege to be here tonight. It's a, it's a real honor and a privilege to be here this evening. And thank you all for taking the time to come and, and hear the presentation. Um, Let's see, I, I, this seems like a good time to point out that uh, the very first institutional support we received for the project was through the Boston Athenaeum. Oh, okay. It was the Boston Athenaeum was the very first institutional collection to support the project. And that meant a lot to us when we first started out. There were, um, you know, at it was just a concept and an idea when we first began, and it helped to validate the mission of our project. Um, let me know if I'm speaking too loud or too softly. Um, I'll start with this first slide. It's, um, this is an image of Kali. It's, uh, it's a, um, it's got Pratima, Pratima Murti, which is, means it's an unfired clay sculpture. Uh, they're made by Bengali craftsmen in, uh, generally in Calcutta, but also in Varanasi, where I lived for a year. I studied the making of these sculptures um, in the workshop of B.C. Paul. And um, 
the reason why I, that they're here is because it was my first exposure to the notion of, of a subscription. What had, uh, I was in the workshop from 93 to 94, and these pictures are from return visits, like this is just from a couple of years ago. But what happens is, is that um, kids will go around and um, ask for a rupee here, a rupee donation from all the neighborhood people, you know, just little bits of money at a time. And, and they'll collect it over the course of a year, and then they'll um, reserve one of these sculptures before it's even completed. So the people that reserve sculptures will come in um, and say, oh, that one looks promising. Or, you know, so they may just buy it while it's still straw, just based on the design. But anyway, you get the idea. Um, it, this family's been doing this for, um, I, I only know of at least five generations, but I think it, they, when you ask them, they don't remember a time when they didn't do it. Um, at the end of the festival, they're taken to the river and thrown into the Ganges so that they would be, um, so the, the deity, the god that resides within this, the, the murti is allowed to go into the Ganges and then return to the divine from which it came. Kind of like an honored guest is returned to the elements. And um, it's quite a fantastic spectacle to see. Um, for the Durga Puja, images may take six months to make, but they'll only last for nine nights. These took months to make, but the, the uh, Kali Puja is only two nights. For, for an example, these are quite small. Some are as, as high as like 20 feet. Um, this, this gentleman made it. This is kind of in situ. They make a big pondle around the outside. So I really just call this to mind so that you'll understand the, the concept of um, subscription support of artists that I had experienced in the early, mid-90s you know, by living in India. Um, there's a woman spinning in a charka. Um, it's probably uh, from the late 1800s. It's probably one of the inspira inspirations for uh, Gandhi in the, when he began to think of the economics of, of uh, home spinning and the textile industry. Uh, by the time Gandhi appeared or was born, uh, Great Britain was Great Britain's uh, largest consumer of, of woven textiles was um, India, ironically enough. but So there was a total reversal of the way the economy had gone before, where India was exporting textiles. And um, we could go into the economics of that, it's, but it's a, it's a whole other topic. Um, this is a jola. It's a Gandhi Ashram jola that um, weaving collectives in India um, produce, they're very, very inexpensive. And before plastic bags, that was the primary means of, of transport. Anybody that had went to the market to buy vegetables or went to the library to get a book or went to their college classes would use a bag like that because they didn't have plastics, you know, in the, in the 60s and 70s. They weren't really introduced until um, the late 80s and they didn't really become a big deal until like uh, after uh, the mid-90s. Um, anyway, I thought this was beautiful. And I was collecting, um, I was collecting examples of these Gandhi Ashram Jolas while I was there, just because I thought they were an interesting kind of folk art. Um, this, at the time, uh, in, 
in uh, 2000. And, hmm? This is from Darfur. A friend of mine was a, uh, a she's a volunteer for Doctors Without Borders, and she spent about two or three years, well, at least two years, in Darfur. And she would send me photographs from time to time. And in my studio, where I paint, I had this picture up because I and a map of Darfur because I kept trying to find a way that an artist could be of service. I was getting a little frustrated with um, creating, generating luxury goods for uh, for uh, for clients and you know patrons that I had yet to meet. In a way, it seemed uh, that I was um, while there was all this. Um, uh, imperative in the world that I felt the need to introduce uh, an aspect of um, of real engagement with the world, but also even a bit of risk, because uh, a project like this could be very expensive to undertake, and I didn't have the resources. And I knew I wasn't necessarily suited to Doctors Without Borders. As an artist, I have to admit that um, I have to serve in the way that I can. And this was... Uh, so anyway, when uh, Barack Obama was running for president, I, on a whim, made a, a small painting of, of him using gold glitter, and, and I donated it to a, uh, to a, um, a fundraiser. And, and, they, and people just loved him. They just bought it. And so I thought, OK, why not? So I started painting these gold glitter Obamas for 150 bucks. They're just little ones and then giving $100 to the campaign and using the other 50 to pay for the materials. And I raised about $3,000, and I thought, that's pretty clever. And so, <laughs> so anyway, so the notion came to me, hi, Niels. I, the notion came to me to do, um, do that kind of thing, um, but, but work with Gandhi Ashram collectives. Uh, Gandhi Ashram collectives, um, if I may explain a little bit, was that they, um, they create work for people that are incredibly marginalized by the economy. Gandhi's idea was is that there's too many people in India that have too little work. They've got too many, lots of hands, and that industrialization is actually counterproductive in India's unique case. So he was actually a, um, he was, yeah, he was a counter-industrialist, actually. He preferred a, a return to an, an agrarian philosophy. And so I, uh, this is my friend, I'm kind of getting ahead, we will go back. The idea was is that um, we would sell copies of this book in advance for a very low amount of money, $300. And then uh, if we sold enough of them, we could fund the creation of a larger edition. And, um, and by doing that, I was able to and I invited artists to participate, um, and uh, you know, with, with this idea, and um, and it, people liked it. it. It was all strictly voluntary. No one was. Everybody that participated would get a copy of the book, and that was. Uh, and that the um, we would sell it, and the profits would we'd give to Doctors Without Borders. So we were able to kind of create this kind of virtuous cycle where we. You know, we could um, keep the money moving in the appropriate direction so that um, no one would be exploited and people would actually benefit from it. Um, spinners and weavers only make like between one and three dollars a day. So, you know, to produce a uh, 
a meter of cloth, you know, that's a... Anyway, this is Gurpreet Sidhu. She is a, she has a, a collective, an artist collective in, with her husband, Orijit, in New Delhi. They gave me a space to stay with them for three months, or I'm sorry, four months in New Delhi while we were working on the project. Um, if I'm missing anything, if there's any questions, please feel free to interrupt, because I feel I have a lot to say and I'm, I want to make sure that I'm careful. Um, they turned me on to uh, the, uh, the Gandhi Hindustani Sahitya Sabha, which is uh, a school, and this is Mr. Honda. He's, he's an activist who, um, and a teacher who's taught generations of kids since the early 70s. He's the guy that, um, I can't remember, Ben Kingsley, when he did Gandhi, the movie, he's the guy that taught Ben Kingsley how to spin Kadi thread. It's a side thing, it's not very important. It's a very fat, tiny thing that he did, but it's definitely recognizable in some ways. And they, he and, um, and all of these people live at the ashram. And uh, like I said, generations of little kids have grown up, had their own children, sent their own children to the school. I think they're in you know, like the third generation, third or fourth, in Mr. Honda's time since 1973. And uh, to the woman in pink in the center is his wife, Bina. He followed her into the ashram in 1973 after she decided to dedicate her life to service. Um, super nice people. I mean, my heart rate goes down when I'm in their presence. Um, uh, the, the, the interesting thing about doing a project like this is you begin to um, encounter people of a, uh, when you when you take a risk, yeah, you meet yeah exactly you meet um, so, you know you, it kind of it's sort of like instant karma in a weird way like except in the good way instead of like um, really interesting people and. Um, if you ever get a chance, if you ever find yourself in New Delhi, please don't hesitate to visit Mr. and Mrs. Honda. They'll, um, they'll treat you well, and you'll be very glad you did. They're very, very funny people. And Mr. Honda here is a great driver. He's, he's kind of like a passive-aggressive Mario Andretti. He, he, um, <laughs> he's, this is a picture I took of him taking me to the ashram, where he was introducing me to um, people that would would work at that work at these these towns here. Um, you can, let's see, there's a pointer. Uh, there's a town called Mirut. Uh, there, there's an ashram there that was started in, uh, like I think in 1920. And then Modinagar, there's another facility, and, and then in Pilqua. And so we went on a road trip and checked them all out and met uh, the different people that, that work there. And um, it's a very interesting experience to, to um, Find yourself in a service organization. Um, I better, better, and I'll kind of zip along, but these are a few images from the ashram that I took about when I first got there. Um, I've been back several times um, and uh, taken extensive. The process is, to be honest, I do not know exactly how these looms work. They're basically the first computers. Um, they're, they're, they use cards. They're, they're programmed, and they're attached you know, by string, and they're, they're kind of fed through, and by how they interact with the hole punching, it affects like how the uh, loom shifts gears. I've got a video that shows it on my website, but it, it seemed like a little lengthy for, for our talk here. 
But um, it's fascinating, I, uh, a fascinating process to watch. And I've been learning a lot. And the book that we made, uh, Five-Year Plan, had uh, about 32 pages. Um, the, the end that, that seals the binding was, um, was from the print table of the, the woodblock printing workers. I, I just thought that, that it was just gorgeous, this abstract textile pattern. And so all of the books are unique in that way. Um, and here's a, another picture. That's only 100 of them. There's another. We did a total of 180. Um, the project in total cost $40,000. Um, 25,000 of it was raised through subscription at $300 a pop, or um, 1,500 in the case of, of um, signed editions, and um, and then the other, the remaining 15,000 I borrowed. Um, and this is the. I hope you don't mind. This is the this video that we did. Jola, a Gandhi ashram Jola is a symbol of simplicity, self-sufficiency, and nonviolence. They're made by village collectives, and they are incredibly useful, and a true form of Swadeshi folk art. This is Five Year Plan, a cooperation of artists and village weavers in honor of Mahatma Gandhi. Five Year Plan is a seva in support of India's most vulnerable citizens. We want you to have a true piece of Gandhi's legacy in the form of a homespun artist edition Jola. Artists include Francesco Clemente, David Dunlap, Donald Batchelor, Sutanu Panagrahi, Julie Doucette, and many others. Your purchase employs spinners and weavers, tailors and printers in Modinagar, UP. This is a no-profit, no-loss seva in support of Gandhi's dream of self-sufficiency in village India. So for only 20 bucks, we'll send you a limited edition artwork by a world-renowned artist right to your door. By doing something good, you're gonna get something great. After expenses, everything goes to pay teachers at the ashram. For more information, go to fiveyearplan.org. And thank you very, very much. That was a piece of aluminum foil on my turntable. <laughs> I was like, the whole thing is totally uh, homemade. The, the the ethic of the project is to be as um, simple as possible and as um, you know, uh, as you know, making do with what you need, what you have, and 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 the quality that you come out of come out with that is is actually quite interesting and unexpected and, and unpredictable. Um, the the project that I that that video was for that was the video for I didn't lead it up to it very well, but the Kickstarter project I had done, um, the thought was is if I offered a jola for twenty dollars by any of these artists, I'd you know use that money go to India, commission it, get it done, and then send them back to everyone, and um, and then any money that was raised beyond what we needed would be given to the ashram. And that's precisely what we did. And um, I was able to get 600 bucks to the ashram. 
And um, I was only, it only ended up costing me a few hundred dollars out of pocket, you know, for postage and stuff. And I, but um, it was an amazing experience and um, employed a lot of people. Um, this is one of the pages from the book, the five-year plan book. Um, I, I have copies on the table here. So it's behind, it's under a vitrine in the other room, but you're welcome to go through this and actually see and touch and hold and, and actually, I might even encourage you to smell it because the fragrance is unlike anything else because it's, it's really home, it's homespun cotton cloth. Like every single fiber in that book has passed through a woman's fingertips. Literally, there is no machines involved in its making except for the, um, the embroidery was done by a man with a sewing machine. Um, yeah, it just, it's, it's, uh, it's a privilege to participate and work with people in, in this kind of environment. The, um, they wouldn't people wouldn't collaborate with me if, if they didn't believe in what I was doing. And that was a really interesting part about this project was it really forced me to be as uh, ethically consistent as I possibly could. Um, the ashrams are, uh, are kind of a bit of a moribund institution in India partly because they're unwilling to cooperate. <laughs> they're, they're very anti-capitalist. They're not interested in speaking English. They're not, they're, they run their ashrams as a no-profit, no-loss enterprise. So there's almost no incentive to, uh, to get it here by deadline. It's kind of, uh, things happen at their own pace, and, and it's, um, if you're not patient, it could drive you wild. Um, but I've through the, doing the project, I've actually learned pay, more patience than I thought I had capacity for. You know, because uh, literally the this the this book here, other imaginings, from start to finish took uh, almost four years. It's only forty-two pages, but um, uh, the effort and labor that went into it is astonishing when you really take it into account. Um, these are some of my favorite pages from the first five-year plan book. Um, that's, that's a work by Donald Batchelor. Um, incidentally, the copy that is uh, in the exhibition and also that is here, it's a signed edition, so um, uh, it's signed by all the people that participated in the project, which is nice, you know, that people, it was all volunteering, by the way, and so it was really interesting to do um, that the consensus had to be with you. You know, at any point it could have broken down if, if the people didn't feel like they were being honored appropriately. And so the real challenge was to, uh, to make, it wasn't hard. You just had to have the right spirit. It was real interesting. People are super willing to work with you. This, I, this is an image. Um, one of the copies of the book we sold all the artists got a copy. This is Pushpa Kumari, and when I uh, when I met her, she was living. She was homeless. She was living in a shed off the side of her her sister's house. But um, I gave her a copy of the book because her artwork's in it. And on page uh, three, actually, it's incredible artwork. She's a great artist, by the way. And we sold her copy of the book, and she was able to buy the bricks to build her house. It was eighteen hundred bucks. Not a lot of money. But she had the land. She bought this little 
plow land, but she didn't have the money to actually put anything on it. And so she built a two-story house with 1,800 bucks. So, you know, it was, you know, the project was doing exactly what we wanted it to do, you know? <laughs> and, and, um, and we've been consistent like that. Um, everybody got a copy of the book, and when we sell it for the, on their behalf here in the States, uh, we send 100% of the money that we get from it after the artist or the, uh, the artist book dealer's commission. Um, I don't take a commission at all, and the whole amount goes to them. Um, this year, I think we've sent out about um, more than $6,000 in $500 to $700 increments to uh, various people that worked with us on other imaginings, that book. Um, we, uh, it's, it's made a huge difference in a lot of people's lives on, in, you know, um, you can, you can raise and uh, care for an extended family for about 600 bucks a month, you know. I mean, not just yourself and your kid and your wife, but your mother and father and cousins, and you can help them out. So it doesn't take very much to get a long way, which is partly why people are so um, willing to work with me on the project, because I, uh, I haven't actually paid myself in 10 years. But, but what I learn from it, what I value, and what I gather from the experience is, uh, is just absolutely priceless. Um, this was a Jola commissioned by Boston University uh, for Esprit magazine, the CFA co uh, magazine. Um, the, I, I should have included a slide of the cover, because what they did was they took a picture of the, cover, of the, of the Jola and made that the cover of the magazine. And um, let's see, and then it's kind of interesting, Google. <laughs> Google liked, I have a friend of mine who works at Google, and she said, well, I know an idea. Why don't we, she was in charge of purchasing swag for, for the Google Corporation. So she said, well, I got $10,000 so to buy Jola, so why don't you, why don't you get, get the ashram doing this? And I did. It was really nice. You know, it was like, it, um, it took, a, I think it took, uh, it was 1,400 Jola, that was about. A thousand meters of, of homespun kadi was used to make those, and um, it employed quite a few people. That's that's about uh, about seven hundred days, just seven hundred days of spinning thread, at like a meter and a half. Is you know, that's what a woman can spin enough thread for in a single day. Is enough for a meter and a half, and then the weaver doing it on those wooden looms, he can do about eight meters in a day. So doing, uh, doing a mile of, of, uh, of homespun kadi cloth can take a bit of time, but it's worth it. Um, this is an exhibition at uh, Feature, Feature Inc. There's an art gallery on, um, at that time, it was on Allen Street, New York, um, the, uh, featuring uh, a variety of, of uh, very interesting artists. Um, Donald Batchelor, um, E.J. Hauser, um, the purple one on the on the left is by uh, Jamie Reed. He's the guy that did the Sex Pistols record cover. You know, never mind the bollocks. Yeah, that guy changed my life. And <laughs> you know, and this Bill Augustus. He was one of my fellow, one of my students at Boston University. Me and Neil's friend. Uh, that's uh, David Dunlap. That's Francesco Clemente. That was another one. 
I, I went to an exhibition and I took a picture of one of the sh uh, his drawings at Pace Gallery, and then I sent it to his assistant, and he asked for permission to use it, and we got it. He liked the idea that um, that somebody who uh, who had no contact with it would be translating it and adapting it and making it their own, and that was a big part of of the whole process, really, because. <laughs> You don't know what you're going to get, and that's and that's the wonderful piece is is how uh, how things get lost and found in translation, and you come up with something brand new, and that was for me as a painter when I'm responsible for every mark. I was finding it a little constrictive because I was always thinking of of the uh, the ethics of a mark or whether the reality of a mark, but I really like the dispassionate, um, expansive quality of improvisation with people. Anyway, there's uh, Chris Martin, who you might know. He's an amazing painter and a, and a really good friend of mine. Uh, Philip Toff, Sutanu Panagrahi, Duncan Chinatiu, that's Yoko Ono, uh, Donald Batchelor. Um, you know, uh, and these are, these are uh, actual Gandhi Ashram Jolas too, like this one here and that one and that one. And I kind of really love the, um, the mingling of the high and the low whenever possible, because to equalize our experiences on, you know, and show that all work has dignity, you know, the perspective of um, that everyone has, uh, everyone is born of equal dignity. And if you can uh, respect that in a real way and actually engage with that concept in a meaningful way, uh, it has very unexpected consequences. And um, that's been what drive, drives me to do what I do. Um, this Kakasha Khan holding the Jola and her husband Jitendra. Um, she was raised on a Gandhi ashram from the age of five. Um, she's Muslim. Her husband here is a, a Hindu of a rather low a uh, rather low social caste. Um, and so their marriage has actually scandalized both sides of the, well, his family in particular. Um, and they, uh, it was an incredibly brave thing. I mean, it, in fact, I think it was illegal up to a certain point to be married. And uh, uh, they really, they, they live uh, the Gandhian principles as, as explicitly as any two people I've ever met. And it's been a privilege to work with them. They were my primary collaborators on other imaginings. A uh, little background. Um, I, my wife was pregnant. And I knew that once the child was born, I was going to be the at-home parent. And so um, and no, I knew I wouldn't go back to India for at least five years. And so that was why I started the, the Jola project. She was pregnant. I could accomplish it in just a couple of months and then go into being a dad. And so I was in India for a month, kind of like it's kind of my, my last hurrah for a while with this project. It was supposed to be over. Five years had come and gone. And uh, while I was there, Kakasha, I was, I was a friend of mine, suggested that we go to... Um, see this Gandhi ashram, and see if we could find some old jolas. And it turned out, you know, you don't, if you ask for a jola, like, because they don't, anyway, I'll go into the thing. But anyway, we collected about 70 examples 
of different ones. And it, so it was this amazing library of images that I'd never found before. And, and then we were, when we were talking to the, this gentleman from the ashram, this is the Sri Gandhi ashram in Sarnath, which is outside of Varanasi. It's the, it's where the, um, where the Buddha came to, to, uh, teach. After he was enlightened in Bodh Gaya, he came to Sarnath to, uh, to uh, meet the great thinkers of the day, and that was in Sarnath. And this is where the ashram is. And this gentleman here is telling us that they don't actually print those jolas here. They do it in another ashram. But if we wanted to, they could probably print about 30 meters for 120 bucks of a single image. And we thought, and I, th I said, yeah, okay. Well, I had $300 left, you know, kind of discretionary budget for my travels. I was going to go home. So I gave $300 to Kakasha and Jitendra. And I said, and I'd only met Kakasha twice in Jitendra just that one day. And I gave him 300 bucks and I said, um, print, why don't you print these two different designs and we'll see what happens. And there should be, there'll be an extra, um, <clears throat> 40 or 50 bucks left over. Keep that. Treat yourself to, you know, get yourself, hire a car, you know, stay in a nice hotel, treat yourself well. And, but just take lots of pictures at the ashram. You know, just, just for the hell of it. It was like a $300 experiment. And, um, and, so they, and they loved the idea. Cause they're, you know, they had never been there. They had never seen any of this. They didn't know any of these things until I had sort of instigated this process for them. And uh, there's me buying, uh, a whole, a whole bunch of what I think of as precious artworks. <laughs> and, um, and so it just kind of took on life of its own. He was born, my son Orion. And, uh, so what, what, so I realized, when I realized that, that this printing idea was going to work, I got in touch with uh, a gentleman named Frank Williams, who's a, a fine man. I really like him a lot, and I, he was just it just came to my mind. I said, uh, Frank, I, I, I think it'd be cool to print up a bunch, make a new book, but we could do it out of these printed pages, just like we've managed to, to do. And I said, Well, um, if you'll support this project, which I don't think should go over. I, I guess $10,000, um, we'll give you the one signed copy we'll ever make. You know, we'll make an, an edition of 100, but we'll, we'll um, get everybody that has anything at all to do with it, the printers, the weavers, the spinners, anybody we can find and have them sign a single unique book. And he said, yeah. And so um, what I thought, would take about 16 or 18 months, turned out to be about four years. And, um, but in the process, we've, um, they, the, uh, Frank was totally, totally into the book. He, um, he has no regrets. And in fact, um, I, you know, we've become really great friends over, this, over these years. Uh, this is Kakasha. This is at the Sri Gandhi Ashram where they're printing. This is the facility that was printing the book. This is one of the print rooms. Got some beautiful videos. This is uh, the dyeing vat, where the the, uh, the kadi will go into this dye and be dried on these roller beds here. Um, it's very uh, very uh, uh, minimal. It's like it's like really stepping back in time. It's a very interesting experience. It's kind of like what you might see in the Victorian era. 
That uh, is the fire in the uh, the canteen, the workers' canteen, that Gandhi himself actually started in 1920, and they've never let it die. So for that, for and that's why I was at first I was like, why are there so many pictures of the kitchen? But it's because for them this was a pilgrimage of a kind to a, a very special place where it was like a living remnant of of, of a life that's gone. Um, this is. These gentlemen are, are preparing the kadi for printing for the printing the book. There's the first run. Uh, that page is in this book. Um, uh, there's some beautiful video. You can see that there's like four printers. One will go down and do one color, and then one will follow the next. And there's a gorgeous shot that uh, Jitendra made of of all four workers all at the same time moving down the line. It's just this gorgeous. Uh, I bet Herzog would have would have been very happy and very satisfied with that image that he had done. This was um, this is a gentleman named Prakash making the woodcut woodblock for a work by um, Lisa Beck. Um, the new this is for the new book. Um, this is it being printed. Um, we commissioned a lot of artwork from one of the uh, Gandhi Ashram artists. Uh, I. I asked him to, uh, he had never, no one had ever done a portrait of uh, Khan Abdul Ghaffar Khan. He's the tall guy. Um, and so I decided to correct that. This is the printing crew. Um, this is the artist who did a lot of the work. Um, there's, uh, there's Gulab Ji, he's, he's in charge there. And Chandra Ji, he's the, uh, he makes the uh, screen, sorry, he makes the screen prints. And um, and then the man at the far right is the printer. Um, let's see. Oh, where are we? This is a this piece took a long time actually. Um, this is a a piece by Jenny Holzer. It was woven in Orissa. That this took over a year, about about um, at least fourteen months to do. They uh, it had to be organic cotton, and. Um, and the blue had to be just right. Jenny Holzer is very, very spe specific about what she wants done. And um, I'm glad that she is, because it forced me to learn a lot about organic cotton and hand spinning. Um, we did 156 of these panels. Um, this is a pit loom that was, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I've hit the wrong button. This is a pit that was dug for the weaving of the cover of the second book. Uh, these are the cards that I was telling you about. All these little holes are all transitions that happen at a single thread, a juncture between the Tana and the Bana. Like, you know, whether or not, you know, whether it skips a spot or whether it changes color. And um, I think in, in the end I was told there was approximately like 10,000 of these to do, to do this artwork that I drew. Find. Um, Jitendra and, and Kakasha really took this this job personally. <laughs> uh, these are the weavers working on that, working on the cover. Um, I put this in here for context. Uh, we all know the painter Van Gogh, and um, the issues that you know you read his letters to his brother. The issues are very much the same. That a lot has changed. 
Uh, and that was part of a thing for me as well, because I've always loved Van Gogh. And I always thought how interesting it was that he had chosen that subject out of, you know, to follow his heart in that way. And so for me, as a painter, he's always been a deep inspiration. But then later, as I thought more about, you know, my own thing, it became, you know, obvious that he had influenced me in other ways as well. That the need to engage with weavers was interesting. Like Kate Kowitz, you know, like I love her prints and her choice to engage in that way. And I kind of, and I, but you know, when I try to do drawings, when I do drawings in that way, I find it uh, emotionally uh, uh, destructive. I find it very hard. I, it, it wounds my heart to to try to emulate her uh, her activism in her drawings. And so, in an interesting way, by having that that remove to engage with the people actually doing that work, I was able to bypass the uh, uh, the psychic harm that I felt I was causing myself and engage in play and make it fun, because it's really fun to do this project. <laughs> this is the front cover of the book. Um, the uh, the spine is based on the original flag of India which Gandhi had described, uh, had designed. The circle within the Indian flag is it was supposed to be a charka for spinning cotton thread. It was the flag of independence. So it's, you, couldn't over, you, could almost, you couldn't overstate the importance of this fabric in Gandhi's vision of India. He, his primary energy was in, the, in this direction, believe it or not. Um, his first ashrams were, were about that. Now, this is inside the book. Uh, um, let's see. This is a, the introduction. I'll just kind of go through it because we, we're running out of time. But you're welcome to see this in, the, in its reality. That piece is by um, Dorothy Iannone. She's, she was a Dieter Rotz uh, Lover in the early '60s, and, and a fantastic 85-year-old like artist of uh, just conversationalist and, and vivacious and, and wild. This is um, that's this is another piece by Pushpa Kumari, the woman whose house was built from that work. So anytime I'll be doing a project, I'll be working with Pushpa because you have to see the original artwork. It's just her her line is immaculate, and this piece here. If I may point out, there's a sunrise over a lake, and a duck hunter, and a tiger. Like I'm always kind of wondering, is the ti- is he defending himself from the tiger, or is the tiger on the other side of a pond reflecting the sun? Um, there's so many different play at plays going on with perspective on this that, to me, I find it just as fascinating as any uh, Persian miniature. You know, the ver- verticality of it all, and the invention is really delights me. <laughs> I, but like I said, this is before, this is probably some of the most humble and lowest and um, most anonymous artwork you'll probably see. But these were printed in the hundreds of thousands in the 60s and 70s. And um, in fact, I've actually written a, a project to go to Ahmedabad and try to find more examples of this because all the people that did this work, they're, uh, they're retiring now. They're in their 70s and 80s, and it'd be a shame to, uh, to let the opportunity to collect these artworks pass while, you know, while they're still alive. Um, let's see. This is a, the, the piece on the right, the text says uh, life sciences. 
And what I think is really interesting is that it's an attempt to describe artificial intelligence. There's a computer, and then on top of uh, uh, like an anatomical model of the internal organs of the body, you know, kind of being, kind of making friends with a couple of students. I don't know. I've, decoding that piece is going to keep me busy for a long time. This was a piece I asked uh, uh, that ashram artist in the photograph. What does technology look like to you? You know, now that you have cell phones and you know and computers, what does that mean? And uh, so he, he put a satellite near. You also notice right there, there's a couple of UFOs. <laughs> you know, I just I was just thrilled. Uh, he he did uh, he did some stuff that, that without asking even. This is that piece by Jenny Holzer next to a work by uh, Sam Gordon. Um, Lisa Beck, and it was in this beautiful con conversation with with this piece uh, depicting the Katab Minar. Um, it's one of the oldest um, minarets in uh, Delhi. I think it was constructed in the 1300s, if I'm not mistaken. Um, my grasp of the exact dates are these are ashram um, depictions of wildlife. The the piece on the right is by. Um, uh, Judy, uh, Judith Linhares is a fantastic painter. If you ever get a chance to see her work, she was uh, featured at Freeze last year. Uh, on the right, in the pink, that's Philip Toff. That piece was on white, but then um, he, it, we suggested doing it on pink, and it turned out to be a great selection. The work on the right is uh, a work by Yoko Ono that she did on the, her only visit to India in 2012. Um, when I saw it, I, I asked her for permission to reproduce it as a woodblock print. And, um, and she, she did. Um, the piece on the left is by Sutanu Panagrahi, a very interesting artist from New Delhi, very sensitive and kind person. And I better zip along a little faster. This is probably more appropriate to the subscription piece. These are all the participants in the project. And um, if you, and each, it, you know, there's a little bit about Mr. Honda and Mrs. Honda and kind of tells you like a little bit of personal background on each of the people. So everybody that I could locate and identify as being a participant in the project is described in, and their role is in, you know, put in there. Oh, there's, a, there's me. There's the guy who does the website. <laughs> My friend Stephen, a wonderful man. And these are all the artists who, these are all the different artists who had um, contributed uh, artwork to the book um, and the previous book as well. Um, this is the uh, the this page here is where the uh, Boston Athenaeum is is named, but also uh, the Manila Collection and uh, Stanford University and, and other um, other uh, special collections libraries who supported the made the book possible to do. And in the middle, of, you know, a lot of people I really love. And on the right, this is, oh, sorry, I have to go back. That there, I, they drew me in. I asked them to do a group portrait of all the workers at the ashram, and they drew me in too. So I got to be on a Gandhi ashram jola, which I know that sounds really dumb in some ways, but to me it really meant a lot. And I, there's a bunch of pictures I'm just going to zip past just to see if there's anything of interest. There's, this is uh, Kakashan Jachendra's home. Uh, yeah, they have they have a school in the front, and a, and they live in the back. They teach people how to do uh, 
<laughs> commercial enterprises, and this is their son, Kabir. And I guess this is a good place to leave it off. Um, there's more pictures, but he's a, he's a good place to end it. He, um, he was born during the project. My son was also. And uh, when we do our third book, which I, I'm really excited about, I want, I'm going to bring my son to India, and, and these guys can play together. And uh, I would love to hear your questions. If I'm happy to, because uh, I know there's a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you.